What an awesome morning, man. What an amazing way to start worship today. And I just want you to just think about these words. Because today the message is going to deal directly with some of you guys and where you are. And I'm going to be honest with you, my testimony is what I'm going to talk about today. But here's the thing that I want you to consider. All over the room, is there still stinging death for you? Where you sit, whatever you've gone through this week, is there still stinging death? Because the song says, oh, death, where is your sting? And Revelation chapter 1 says that Jesus took the keys of death and hell, and he picked them up, and he buried them because he took death, and he took your place. And forever he is glorified because he's worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor. And today, this is the opportunity that you're going to have. And this is why I'm so excited to be here today. It's not because on a day where Hurricane Katrina decided to come through Greer, South Carolina, we're getting four and a half inches of rain. And this many people showed up, four points. Do y'all think this is awesome? But that's not why I'm excited. And I am excited that you're here and I'm honored. But man, I'm excited because we get to sing hallelujah. And we get to sing amen. And we get to say that it's finished and it's over and that I'm alive. I've been raised to life in Jesus Christ. That's why I'm excited to be here. Because I've realized that it's not about me, but it's about the man, Jesus, that is God in me. And so we sing hallelujah. Will you pray with me, God? What an honor and a privilege to be able to bring your word today that you have put deeply in my heart. God, I pray that they don't hear from a man that has fun and tells some jokes and gets through a message, but they'll hear from you. So Holy Spirit, will you just anoint this service for the rest of this time and give us the word that we need to hear? Because God, I believe that people are going to be raised to life in a few minutes. And I'm celebrating right now that fact. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Guys, I want to tell you, man, we are truly honored that you decided to worship with us today. Seriously, like I said, in that, it, the weather's awesome, and I mean, Grace, is, I was having to yell in the first service, so I'm grateful because it sounded like I was getting applause in heaven, so you're welcome for that. But like, like it was crazy, I'm telling you. But uh, I seriously, we're, we're honored for our guests. We're honored that you're here. How many of you guys, and I need interaction, so if you don't come to this church and you don't talk to me, I'm going to look at you, okay? And so we can speed this thing up, and y'all can preach with me. Is that good? See, that's good. When I point the mic at you, you talk to me, and we're going to get along really good. All right. How many of y'all know this, this, this saying, and I need y'all to finish it? When the going gets tough, the tough get? Watch out now. Huh? We've said that, but let's be honest, okay? When the going gets tough, we get going. You know what I mean? Like, he gone. Like, that's what we do, right? Like, uh, we give the deuces. And, and if any of y'all say, no, nah, man, that ain't me, I'm going to say, good job, you're lying. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's not true. Because the truth of the matter is when the things get the toughest, when they get really hard, it seems like that's when we look and go, for real? I'm not into that, bro. I'm out, right? And we give the deuces. Like, we got people's back that is in our life, way back. You know what I'm talking Like, way out of the picture. It's, it's terrible. And, like, the problem is, we say those things that we sound big and bad, but when it gets really hard, we're gone. And today I want to tell you a story that directly deals with this. Because I'm going to give you my testimony today, but I'm not going to talk about me very much at all. I'm going to talk about a guy in the Bible named Peter. 
who dealt with all these things. He was the dude, y'all. He was the John Wayne of the disciples. He was the guy that everybody looked at and said, yep, that's the alpha. And I can relate to him. I'm telling you, I'm the eccentric loudmouth in a group a lot of times, and I'm the person that kind of rises, and I'm also the person that falls. Because so often, listen to me, the reason that when the going gets tough, the tough get going is not real is because when it gets really hard, we realize that we have a jacked up sense of faith. Because listen to me, I've talked to some of you in this room, one-on-one, me and you. And you say, Pastor Mark, I believe in God and it's cool. But God does not want to be your buddy beside you. The Holy Spirit wants to come inside you and change your life. And listen to me, the message I'm going to give you the end to start with so you can pass the test. It's not about having Jesus as part of your life. It's having Jesus transform your life. It's having Jesus fulfill your life. And so many of us think, if I just have him beside me, it's cool. If I could just walk beside him, it's cool. And that was Peter. That was Peter. So let me give you a little bit about this dude because I think he's awesome, okay? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had picked 12 disciples. In Matthew 16, they go to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you've heard this before, but Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And the disciples said, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. And he looked at Peter and said, what about you, bro? Who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the Son of God. And he said, bro, that's awesome. That's my translation. You're welcome. But like he said, he said, he said, you, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, at this point in the story, this is where it happened, by the way. We got a picture of Caesarea Philippi. And he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church in the gates of Hades. H-A-D-E-S will not prevail. And a lot of times, maybe you've heard the gates of hell because that's how it's translated here. But this wasn't literally hell. This was like a geyser that spit out. And it was crazy. And it was the most pagan worshipped place on the planet. Not Rome, not anywhere else was more nasty and pagan than this. And this is about an hour and a half north of the Sea of Galilee. And it's crazy. This is a picture of what it looked like when they would actually be worshipping at Jesus' day, they put a temple right here, and all the people, it was open-ended at the back, gathering, they would worship, but it was a picture of what they believed the pagans would look like at the gates of, of hell. Can I just say this? This is free. This isn't part of the message. For those of you struggling today to know if you can make a difference, we don't put up gates to go on the attack. We put up gates to keep people out. Am I right? Am I right about that? Do you put up a gate to keep me out, or do you put up a gate so that I get in? Keep me out, right? So if there's a gate on hell, we need to kick the hell's gate down, and we need to go get people out of there, and we need to trust the God that we serve and not believe that it's about us. And I think that's what's awesome about it. We give the enemy way too much credit way too often because the God that we serve is much more powerful. So what I'm telling y'all today, and this is free and it's not part of the message, but just stay with me. It's time to kick hell down and the gates down and let's go inside because he took the keys of death and hell. And that's what we sang about today and that's really good. That's really good. But again, that's not part of the message. I just like it. So uh, anyway, Peter, and I believe they were standing somewhere in here. He hears this, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. You just said that I was Jesus. That's awesome. And, And one day you'll see what I'm talking about. And I think this is the point that you begin to see. There's really times all throughout. He, he's the dude that walked on water, right? He had the intestinal fortitude is what I say if I'm not in a men's locker room. Some of y'all can figure out what I would have said otherwise. But, but he had the stuff, you know what I mean, to step out and be that dude. 
And a couple verses later, Jesus said, I'm going to die and I'm going to raise again. And Peter said, never. You will not do that. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So, so think about how bipolar this thought process must have been. I'm going to build my church on you, bro. Get behind me, Satan. You're a pebble is literally what the word means that I'm stumbling over. <laughs> Say what? Like, like, which one am I? Am I the rock that you're going to build a church on or am I the stumbling block that you can't go through? Like, I don't get this. And so he watched Jesus do all these crazy miracles throughout his time, one after one. And I, I just would love to have seen what it would have been like. And then fast forward. Jesus has told them that I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to raise again, but I'm going to die. And they kept thinking, this is symbolism. He does all these miracles. That won't really happen, right? And then they get to the upper room and they break bread. And Jesus tells them, this is my body that's broken for you. And this is my blood that's going to be spilled for you. And they go down to the garden. He takes Peter, James, and John with him. He's praying throughout the night. And they're falling asleep. Unbeknownst to him, that night he was going to get arrested taken on a trial, and the next morning he was going to be put on a cross to be killed. And Peter's had so much pride in his own heart that he missed this because he believed in Jesus. But he had faith in the wrong things, and this is why in the garden, in the garden, just picture this. This is a picture of, of a large overview of the garden. They were, they were praying in here, and can you picture the forks and the torches and the soldiers running in, and Peter cuts off the ear of a disciple? He's that dude. Like, he's the one that cussed that made everybody mad, right? He's that guy. And it's because Jesus was right beside him, and he knew his magician would, would put the ear back on or take care of it or solve the problem. And Jesus healed that Roman soldier and put his ear back on, and then they left. And this is the part that I think the story is tragic. They dragged Jesus out. Peter's standing there. Can you imagine the guy that you watched as your teacher, who you love deeply, who you believe in with all of your heart, where you've left being a fisherman, and you didn't do that back in the day. If you did your father's work, you kept doing your father's work, and he left and said, I believe this. I'm going to follow this. And you see him get drug off, and he's gone. And today I'm going to read to you out of Luke chapter 22 but I want you to consider this one thought before I do. Are you like Peter, where you have faith in your faith, faith in going to a church, faith in how much you've done, faith that your good will outweigh your bad, faith that, that Jesus beside you is enough? Because I believe Peter's problem was he had faith in his faith and not faith in the Lord. If you remember one thing when you leave, I believe Peter's problem was my problem most of my childhood and adolescence and into my young adult life. I had faith in my faith and not faith in the Lord. And the result of that is a catastrophic up and down roller coaster. If Jesus is right there, I can touch him and he's good and it's fun. But if he's not right beside me and the going gets tough, I'm going, I'm gone. And we're going to see an amazing picture of that. In Luke chapter 22, back up to the garden. And right before that, in the upper room, Jesus had told Peter, you will deny me three times. Peter was like, <laughs> nah, I got faith in me. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm not doing that. You're crazy. And here's what happens. Luke 22, Jesus is drug up from the Kidron Valley outside of the southern gate of the old city of Jerusalem, up this road, 
to the house of the high priest named Caiaphas. If you'll watch AD at 9 o'clock tonight, NBC has done a pretty good job of depicting what happened. Last week, I think they'll show the rerun, and you'll see this story. It's so awesome that it's happening right now. I was like, thank you, NBC, for preaching my message for me. That's awesome. Tonight is the end of today's message. And so we see in Luke 22, verse 54, it says, Then they seized Jesus, and they led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. I want you to remember that this is the same dude that just chopped dude's ear off, right? This is the same dude that was bold enough in his intestinal fortitude to stand out and say, I will step out on that water. None of the rest of y'all chickens will do it, but I'll do it. And now he sees the one that's, that's his security beside him all times. He's gone. The one that if he can see him, he's okay with it. But the enemy of faith is not doubt. The enemy of faith is sight. And when Peter loses sight of Jesus, he has doubt. And he begins to question what he's what his faith has been in all along, and I'm questioning what his faith was in all along as well. Because he had faith in his faith and not faith in his Lord. Because he was following at a distance, and I believe he was hiding, making sure no one could see him. And when they had kindled a fire up, and you're going to see in a minute what this looked like, in the middle of the courtyard, and sat down together, Peter sat among them. All right, so here's a picture of Caiaphas's house. And... um. Davin, who's sitting on the front row, and I went back in January, and I didn't go to this place in October, but this was maybe my favorite place in January because up here where you can't see but you can see the beginnings of it is the house of Caiaphas. Inside of there in the basement, you see all these empty rooms, and they're made out of limestone, and they're unbelievable because you can see that would have been a holding cell. That would have been a place that they would have held Jesus' wrists up to the top and the ceiling, and they would have whipped him. That would have been a place they would have had an illegal trial, but it's sort of legal because it was outside the old city, barely. I'm talking about that's the city wall, and this is where we were. And they just uncovered these steps two years ago, maybe three years ago, and they've, pre they've dated them at least 2,500 years old. And there's a flat spot right here that would have been a courtyard. And because it was above, they would have heard every word that was happening. They could have at least been told by someone who would have leaned down to the crowd that was so interested in this, in this Galilean, in this, in this Nazarene that had come, and he had claimed to be God. They, they had all gathered around these people in the middle of the night to find out what are they really going to do. Is, is Pilate, and is, is, is this Caiaphas who's the high priest, are they going to kill him? Are they going to say that they can do this even though it's unlawful because they're outside the city barely? Are they going to kill him? And remember, it says that he had sat down, they had kindled fire in this opening, and I just want you to picture being Peter right now. You've had faith because this dude has done so many cool things. And then this happens, and I believe he was probably covering his face and kind of hiding out. Like, i got to find this out, but I really don't need to be here because they're going to kill me. The dude that was bold said, I will never doubt you. I'll never turn my back. Then a servant girl, verse 56, then a servant girl seeing him, as he sat down and as the people are gathered around on those steps, I'm telling you, it's pretty awesome. Y'all need to go with me sometime because seeing those steps and realizing what went down right there, it's pretty awesome. Seeing him. This is a little girl. I want you to picture this. This bold man that had hours earlier cut the ear off of a soldier and should have been killed on the spot, but he had so much boldness in his heart, he cut an ear off when a little girl came up to him. 
As he sat in the light looking at him closely, she said, this is also a dude that's with Jesus. She said, this man also was with him. But he denied it. Think about this. It's where he had placed his faith, but he denied it, saying, woman, I don't know him. <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I would have said bro, but she wasn't a bro. So, girl, I don't know that dude. Here's what's crazy is when we begin to have faith in our faith and believe that it's about us, maybe you've been there. We begin to cover up what we're supposed to do because our self-confidence becomes self-doubt. And when we start having self-doubt about where God's taking us or this whole plan or why I'm going through this difficult thing, we begin to cover it up and you don't even recognize it. Am I the only one? You don't even recognize it. You see that you have to cover up a lie with another lie with another lie, and you start going, oh, my goodness, this is ridiculous. How many lies are there going to be? And I want you to remember as we're doing this, Jesus said before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. There's one, and it was a little girl, 58. And a, and a little later, so let's say an hour passed or maybe a few minutes, and it's very early in the morning, and they're all tired, but they're listening intently on what's going on. Someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. John's up there. He's with them. I don't know what they're going to do to him. And, and Thomas was doubting, and he was gone, and they were scattered everywhere, but you're one of them. And Peter said, man, I'm not. <sighs> Please. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted. And so time had passed, and they're sitting there fires going on. They might have been roasting marshmallows. You know, I don't know if they did that back in the day, but they're doing something, right? They're, they're hanging out. And everybody else is just part of the crowd like us. And they want to know about this Jesus dude, and they're not real sure, and they think he's crazy, and he's nuts. He's claiming to be the Messiah. And Peter, he knows him. He knows all about him. But something ain't right. Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. He looks different. He sounds different. He's got his face covered up, but I'm telling you, that's him. And this is what, Pete, what happened. But Peter said, bro, I don't know him. But it was with emphasis. Man, I do not know what you're talking about. Have you done that? Have you denied everything of your, who you are because you had faith in your faith Faith in other things. Faith that Jesus could be the number one thing in your life. Have you ever said that? No, he's not number one in your life. He's alpha and omega. He's all of our life. He's the completion. He's everything. He's what makes the essence of me complete. It's not that I put him first or put him beside me. That's not enough. Because I still have faith that it's me that's doing it. He's never called me to do it. He's called me to be willing and then obedient and follow him so that he in me can do it. And pride swells up in us when things good happen. And doubt wells up in us. And we say, I can't. And both are equally destructive. Because Peter said, I will never. I don't know what you're talking about. And listen to this immediately while he was speaking the words. I just want you to picture that campfire around and people all around. And while he was speaking the words, the rooster crowed. You know that feeling that you get in your heart 
maybe I'm the only one because y'all aren't talking a lot to me, but you know that feeling that you get in your heart when you realize you just got caught? Right? Pretty sure all of us were kids, <laughs> and we've all been there. It's a miserable feeling, isn't it? You're like, oh. It's the Price is Right music. You know, like, you know it's done, right? And I feel just terrible, and I just can't imagine that. I've had that feeling, and this has never happened to me. <laughs> that lump in your throat that's way up here, and you can't swallow, and you just feel like you're going to puke. And you're so frustrated and mad, and you just want to throw your hands up and be like, I will never be used by God. God doesn't love me. I'm the worst person in the world, Pastor Mark. If you knew what I had done, there's no way you would tell me that God loves me. Can I just be honest with y'all? Maybe we have killers in this room. I don't know. I'm being serious. Maybe we have rapists or horrible, horrible men that have abused women or horrible women. Or I don't know. I bet you when Jesus was about to die, none of you were the one that Jesus said he'd build his church on and then you bold-faced denied him. I bet. I bet none of y'all have done something like that. So I wonder today, I just wonder out loud, is there any chance for us? And I need you to see the next verse because I'm telling you, this is the verse that kind of does that lump in my throat to me because I think I've been there. And the Lord turned and looked at him. And so you got a picture. He comes out of the house and they were ready to take him. And you can just see the passion and compassion in the eyes of our Lord. Look down at him. When he had screwed up the worst, man. That's you today, some of you. You came in here and you parted like a rock star last night. Or you had a horrendous week, man. And you denied Jesus with everything that you are, and he looks down at you and says, I love you. I think that's worse. For my heart, it's amazing. Don't miss what I'm saying. But wouldn't it have been better for Peter right then if he'd have just said, ah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, don't you, don't you want to be called out when something bad happens? I don't know. This feels worse. Maybe it's just me. But this is awful. This is that weight. I screwed up. And you still love me? What's, what's the matter with you, God? Because Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, today you'll deny me three times. And he went and wept bitterly. And I believe at this point Peter had the weight of the world on his shoulders. Because let's just take into perspective what Peter was going through at this time. One, he had bold-faced denied Jesus. Two, Jesus was getting crucified on the spot. They were actually going to take him about a mile through the city of Jerusalem to the spot called the skull. And Peter was not there. I think his shame and his hurt, I think Peter probably was close enough to see, probably got up and looked through, but Peter wasn't there. I think Peter was carrying so much guilt. Some of you came in today and you were carrying so much guilt. You're overwhelmed with what you've done. You're overwhelmed with what you did tonight. You're buttoned up and you look really good. And no one knows that you struggled, but you struggled yesterday. And you're like, man, you'll never use me, God. 
And I think we missed the whole point. But I just want to kind of challenge y'all in this one area. I don't think Peter lied. Because I think this is my testimony, and this is what I want you guys to know today. I think Peter was telling the truth, man. I think much like you guys and me was Peter and Jesus. Now, uh, there's two things that I want to show you. Thank you, dude. This is, this is fun. I'm going to put this in my back pocket a second, and I want to tell you this. There's two things that I want to show you. You guys know who I am, I hope. Some of y'all are seeing me for the first time, and it's an honor. But I'm friends with a bunch of you on social media, right? So y'all know me. And then some of you know me more, and you're my acquaintance. And we've hung out once or twice, and some of y'all are my friend. And we hang out every week. And some of y'all have been my friend since I was a teenager or I was a child. But there's only one person that is flesh and blood walking on this planet that knows me. Because in the original language in, in Genesis chapter 4, Scripture says Adam knew Eve and they had Abel. Adam knew Eve and they had Cain. And so Leah knows me biblically, if you know what I mean. Like the, On our wedding day, August the 4th, 2001, Leah placed the ring on my finger, and I placed the ring on her finger, and we said I do, and I cried, and my lip quivered, and I didn't know what I was doing. I was scared to death. My in-laws right now are saying, amen, praise the Lord. You did not know what you were doing. You were crazy, right? I, but we said, yes, I know you. She was not beside me anymore. She was not my girlfriend. She was not the one that I could leave when the going got tough. She was the one that I committed my life to. I said, I'm yours and you're mine. And we had our wedding day. Peter had talked all about him. He was the biggest fan in the world. He wore the Jesus jersey. You know what I'm talking about? Like he's the dude in the crowd that, had, that still wears the jersey and is 55 years old. If that's you, stop. I'm just telling you, right? Yeah, that's free. Bless your heart. Like, but, but, I mean, you wear the shirt. Just don't, don't wear the jersey. Gracious. Put it on your wall. Get it signed or something. Just don't wear the jersey. But that's us. We can tell all the stats. Can I just tell you I'm a stat freak show? I can tell you stats of my favorite sports teams and my favorite dudes on those teams. I don't know them. I know all about them. But only Leah, by the grace of God and Lord willing for the rest of my life, will know me biblically because she is the only woman that I've ever laid with. And I don't think many of us can say that about Jesus. We have gods in our life that we lay with every day because it's me, myself, and I. And we look and say, Jesus, I need a security blanket to come beside me and take care of all my problems. This is what we call night-night bear at my house. Okay? If night-night bear is not with us at home, if I forgot this here, let me tell you what I would do at 9 o'clock tonight at the latest because we realized it. About 8 o'clock, we're putting Haston in the bed. If this dude is not beside us, it is bad. You know what I'm talking about? Like some of y'all hadn't had kids, so you're not laughing right now. If you've had a kid, the girl has a blankie and the dude has a whatever this dude's called. We call him Night-Night. Daddy, I know see Night-Night, I want to go see B. Where's my Night-Night bear? Do you know what I really think? Peter was like, where's my Night-Night bear? I need Jesus right beside me so I can cuddle with him. He's my magician. I can do whatever I want to. And it's awesome. And I feel like I'm on top of the world. Thunderstorms come. Kids freak out. Some of y'all freak out. 
I'll get y'all one of these night-night bears. That's free. But, like, like, seriously, if Hayson's in a thunderstorm, he just wants to hold him. Lainey, Daddy, I need my blankie. And she doesn't ever talk like a baby until she's ready to go to bed. And then she, I need my blankie so I can go to bed. I'm like, oh, this is weird. You're going to be 45 on your honeymoon. Y'all heard that right. Someone say amen. All right. Maybe 25, 35, 45 on your honeymoon. And you're going to still have your blankie. This is ridiculous. But it's, it's comfort. Some of you have some of you have a 401k. That's a security blanket for your retirement. That's good. That's smart. If you don't, you should start one tomorrow, okay? But Jesus is not a security blanket. This is not what he does. His goal is not to stand beside you and say, good job. You're doing awesome. Keep doing it. It's to take what I am and replace it with him. I'm still me. I'm still Mark. I'm still crazy, and I'm still loud. But it's to take what I am and not make it better, but make it new. It's to raise me to life. Peter did not understand this. I'm convinced this isn't a lie. I'm convinced he knew, and he was the biggest fan of Jesus on the planet. But when the rubber met the road, and his security blanket walked down the Via Della Rosa, called the Way of Suffering, when the going got tough, Peter got going. And the guilt and the weight was all over him. Jesus dies on the cross and raises to life. Peter sees him with the other disciples and they celebrate and they touch his, his wounds and it's beautiful, but they're still scared to death to be in Jerusalem. So they leave and go back to where they're from in Capernaum and they begin fishing again. And this is where I want to take you to. I want you to see this is the shore of just over here, you can't see it real well, but just over here, close to a mile away, is Capernaum, where Peter was from, where Jesus lived with him. And this picture, you can't tell too much, but man, the Sea of Galilee is really pretty. It's really a big lake, and it's clear, and it is so beautiful. And you can just picture those guys out there, and what was the conversation like? You know what I mean? Like, man, what do we do now? Like, you're talking about a church, but I don't get it. Like, what do we do? And they're fishing, and they can't catch anything. And this dude on the shore says, throw your nets to the other side. And at this point, you're like, I wish you'd shut up. <laughs> I can't catch any fish. Just a few days ago, dude died. I denied him. He rose from the dead. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. But I don't feel like you telling me how to fish when I've been fishing my whole life. They listen to him. They throw him to the other side. The boat almost sinks. It's such a miraculous catch. He comes over. This is John 21. And he's standing before Jesus, and he says, do you love me? Peter, he says, you know I do. And I think Jesus right here is saying to him what he's saying to many of us. I do know that you love all the stuff about me and that I'm night-night bear, but I'm asking for real, do you love me? Like, are you going to let me replace the heart of stone that you have and the hardness in your heart and put inside what I am? Are you going to let me, instead of being the fun miracle worker beside you, to be the Holy Spirit inside of you and replace all that doubt and that hurt with freedom. Do you love me? And he asked him a third time, do you love me? Then follow me. And I don't think if Peter really knew, he would have had to say all those things. And this is the beauty of Jesus. He knew all this was going to happen. He looked down on him with compassion down those steps. He had his hand out as loving and honoring as Jesus is. 
and said, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. I got you. I love you. Now get this. Don't miss this. I'm done, but I need you to listen. This is the last verses I'm showing you. 53 days. 53 days after he denied Jesus, after they left Jerusalem, after they were scared to death, 53 days after he died and 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus had ascended into heaven 10 days earlier and told all of his disciples and 120 people, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, but wait, wait. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Now this Peter had run and been scared. He had, he had, his security blanket had gone to heaven. Of all things, you don't see an, an amazing work by this guy, but this is why he said, I'll build my church in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to only read a couple verses. But Peter was standing and there were, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, 3,000 people got saved that day when there was only about 120, 10 days earlier. And this is the same Peter that denied him 53 days ago. What happened? He didn't have a security blanket anymore. He had the Holy Spirit inside of him. And it says, Peter standing with the 11, stood up bold, but this time not in his faith, but in the Lord Jesus. And he lifted his voice and addressed the men of Judea and every one of you and its thousands of people at this time who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give me your, excuse me, and give ear to my word. And I wish you would go read this today and see the amazing thing that happened and what he said. And then at 9 o'clock tonight, turn on NBC and watch this story because they're going to show it. But, but he spoke a word and it was powerful and it was bold, but it wasn't about Peter. It was about the Holy Spirit inside of him. And people were amazed and tongues of fire fell from heaven and the Holy Spirit fell and the church started that day. But this was their reaction in verse 37. And now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. Guys, I'm just telling you, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, your heart feels like it's beating out of your chest. And you're like, what is that, man? That's crazy. And this is what they asked. Peter and the rest of the apostles, y'all say the words in yellow. Everybody's got to get to the point where they say, what should we do? Like, I've heard everything you've said. I've heard that you've said that, that, that I'm not a failure and it's not about me. I've heard that you've said that Jesus isn't my security blanket. I've heard all these things. What should I do? I don't know what to do, Pastor Mark. This is what Peter said. It's pretty simple. He said, all right, I'll tell you what to do. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every single one of you, <laughs> that's bold. All of you need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin even for doubting him and denying him on the worst day you could possibly do it Jesus compassionately looked down on him and loved him and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit I just want every one of you to look this way I believe God's dealing with some of your hearts right now and I'm going to ask you to do this Stop believing that it's something that you can do. Stop believing that you can get better. Stop believing that God's going to heal your marriage with a magic wand and believe that God wants to make it new. Stop believing that, that if you try hard enough and if you're good enough at the end of your life, that if your good outweighs your bad, then maybe you'll get to heaven. Absolutely, teetotally, no. It is only, only, only through Jesus Christ by placing my trust in him and saying, Lord, I am making you Lord over me and in me and through me. It's not about me. 
It's not about me. It's not about me. And in Huntington, West Virginia in 1997, after knowing a lot about the Bible because of how I grew up in a pastor's home, and I'm grateful, and knowing so much, I realized it's not about up here. It's not about wearing my Jesus jersey. It's not about if I do enough. It's not about preaching. It's one thing. Me and Jesus. Is he beside me as a security, as a night-night bearer? Is he the Lord of my life? And I love Romans 10:9 in the message. And this is what it says. And guys, this is it. This is your call today. Say the welcoming words to God. Jesus is my master, embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us. Listen, what he did raising Jesus from the dead. You are dead. You're not sort of alive. You're not half alive. It's either dead or alive. And I believe Peter knew all this stuff. But Jesus rescued him on that shore. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That is salvation. Repent and be baptized and you will be saved. And so today, guys, this is your offering today. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to have the opportunity to be raised to life. It is, it is time, man and woman and young person all over the room, to stop believing that he's your security blanket. He's not part of you. He is the entire equation. Multiplication, division, subtraction, addition. He's everything. He's all things and he makes all things new. It's time to let him make you new. And so right now, right now, I want you to say, Jesus, I'm making you my master and my Lord. Raise me to life just like you did, Jesus. I'm not doing anything. I'm just trusting you. I'm just trusting you. Will you bow with me? Lord Jesus, I'm just asking you to raise to life right now. If that's you, I'm not going to give much time. I don't believe I should talk you into it. I believe the Holy Spirit will give you the boldness. It's not my boldness that you need, and it's not your boldness that you need. It's the Holy Spirit. I just, I'm asking you right now, and I believe there are dozens of people. I don't believe there's one or two. I believe there's dozens of people in this room that needs to be healed and raised to life. And on the count of three, I just want you to stand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Right now, I receive the gift of salvation. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. I make him my master. Do that right now on the count of three. Stand up boldly. One, two, three. Stand up wherever you are in this room. Stand up. Stand up. If, you're, if that's you in this room and you say, I need Jesus to raise me to life, I want you to stand up and say, that is me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus right now. Here's what just happened. You can keep your heads bowed for a second. Every person in this room just declared that I'm saved, and that is awesome. That is so awesome. Can I just tell you what should happen? If you're a guest with us and you go to another church, or this is your church. There should not be enough room next week because of the Holy Spirit inside of us and what he's doing in our life and through our life because we're telling everybody about Jesus and in your church, if you go somewhere else, there should not be enough room and there should be a difference in your home and in your marriage, not because you're working harder, but because he's made all things new. So here's the other part. I'm gonna ask the people that, have been that are going to be baptized to stand to their feet 
And I believe there's some more people that should be baptized right now. They're, they're all over the room. There's a few people here all over um, that are going to be baptized. Listen, if you've been saved but you've never been baptized, it's time for you to stand to your feet right now with these that are already standing and say, I want to be baptized right now. I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, but I want to go get baptized right now. We have a change of clothes. We have everything that you need. We got towels. You could change back in. You got time to change. But listen, I'm just offering you that chance to say, that's what I want to do right now. I want to tell the whole world that I'm going to be raised, that I've been raised to life, and I want to show the world that I'm saved. If that's you, stand up right now with these people. Y'all go ahead and walk out. Y'all go ahead and walk out. They're going to get changed right now. Does anyone want to do that and say, that's me? God, what an awesome time to glorify and honor you. We celebrate this life change that's about to happen because you're making all things new. And Lord, we stand in honor and glory to your name. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Y'all stand with us.